Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another Arseblog Arsecast, right here on arseblog.oleolay.com. As you might imagine, there's one subject in particular that is going to dominate proceedings. The one subject that has had Arsenal fans talking non-stop ever since it happened. Quiet disbelief. Loud. Also disbelief. What happens now for our great club? Where do we go from here? How do you recover from that? So we'll be discussing what Arsenal are going to do when Mikel Silvestre leaves this summer. As well as that, we might take a few moments to talk about, well, this. Here's Barella. Wait for the scale to get round the defender and a great ball in! I mean, even the even the commentator didn't really have a clue what was going on there because, well, really, nobody had a clue quite what was happening or why it had happened or how it could possibly happen. And, uh, well, what can you say? A very unfortunate game, a performance for, for Lucas Fabianski, who, who had come into the side, um, I suppose, with, with everybody's good wishes, because we, we've been concerned, I think it's fair to say, about the form of Manuel Almunia. We have been. So we were hoping that, Fabianski could come in and at least perform to a level where it would provide a, a, a measure of competition for uh, Almunia. It might spark some life back into him. Who knows? But perhaps we were being a little bit on the optimistic side. You know, his previous performances haven't been particularly good, but I don't think anybody could quite have imagined a performance like that. I've seen keepers play bad games before. I was sitting here earlier trying to think of, you know, can I remember a game where a keeper has played worse or made such uh, costly mistakes? And off the top of my head, I can't. I can can remember keepers, maybe Bartes. Do you remember that game when he kicked one to Thierry Henry and then Henry kind of kicked one back out of his hands? Anyway, he gave us two goals that day, Bartes. That was pretty bad. And then there was Taibi who let that one go through his legs. And I'm sure there's loads of other keepers who have um, 
let in silly goals and made bad mistakes. But uh, for Fabianski, it seems to be a, a bit of a pattern now, unfortunately. And I feel maybe like I've got a little bit of a responsibility here because, you know, I, I spoke there last week on the Arscast or the week before about how, you know, Almunia was playing so badly, I'd pick Fabianski in goal now uh, in my when I play FIFA, which is uh, not true anymore because I, I went on to the manager mode thing and you can buy players. And I sent my scout out and he bought this goalkeeper called Capper or something. I don't know what it is. But anyway, he plays. Can't even play Fabianski anymore. But apart from that, I was looking at the Porto keeper. And me being the traditionalist that I am, I, I think goalkeeper should wear green. Simple as that. None of this fancy yellow and stuff. I think they should wear green. But I was looking at the Porto keeper and he's wearing tracksuit bottoms. Remember that mad guy at Crystal Palace who wore those terrible grey tracksuit bottoms that you bought, you could buy for like two ninety nine in pennies or Primark or one of those. But I, I've got a, I, I always look at a goalkeeper wearing tracksuit bottoms unless it's absolutely snowy or icy, and you think you're not a fucking proper goalkeeper, you're not a proper footballer, you're just some spa that was standing there who happened to be wearing a tracksuit and they needed a goalkeeper and they said, you go in there. And you're stuck there ever since. So I was saying on Twitter, this guy, look, he's wearing tracksuit bottoms. He's a special needs goalkeeper. We've got to get at him. And then Fabianski did his stuff. So maybe it's a bit my fault. But anyway, what can you do? Not a great deal at this stage. You can look at our goalkeepers. Look upon my goalkeepers and weep, as they say. I don't think they say exactly that. I, you know, I'm just paraphrasing something kind of depressing though because i thought after we got back into it after the first howler i thought we were going to go on and win that game but the second howler took all the wind out of our sails and as sesk was saying afterwards you know we weren't strong enough to get ourselves back into it which is a little bit of a worry nevertheless not bad to hear the captain say that because there are players that you know are in this side that are experienced and do have quality you know they're not all shit that would be the thing. If they were all just shit players, then you go, well, okay. You know, they're shit. Well, like expecting great performances from our goalkeepers who aren't, you know, necessarily that very good. So it's easy to temper that disappointment. But, you know, there are players in our team that aren't necessarily reaching the uh, the level of performance that we would like. And if Sesk's words have a an effect on them, then, then all the better. Anyway, uh, with me now to talk a, a little bit more about um, all that, is the man from East Lower. Hello there. Hi, hi, how are you? Uh, well, thank you. Now, there's only one place we can start, and that is with Lucas Fabianski. Uh, at fault for both of Porto's goals last night. I've been watching football um, a long time. Uh, I know Arsenal have had some dodgy keepers down the years, but I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like that. What can we make of his performance Um uh, we can talk about it in, in, in context of just last night, but maybe base uh, a little bit of, of what we're going to say on, on his previous performances as well, because he doesn't necessarily fill anyone with a great deal of confidence. Uh, no, he, he doesn't. I, I think on the one hand, I would, when you always, we got, he's what, 24 years old and he really needs to be playing. And mm. I think it's pretty clear. Um, so he does need a run of 20 games probably in some team. But um, 
the trouble is, every time he comes on and gets his chance and he sort of waits for his chance, he, he's like the Frank Spencer of goalkeeping when he comes on. It's, just, it's, an, it's an absolute disaster. And, and I, I do feel really sorry for him, but how, how much sympathy can you have? As in, how long can you keep on sympathising when every time he, he gets a really good chance in a big, big game, he seems to fluff his lines? Mm. Is he a bit unlucky in that... Um... He seems to be given chances, not necessarily in the league as much, but in cup games. So the mistake against Chelsea is very costly, um, with no chance of sort of making it up in the next in the next game. If you know what I mean, the the Stoke game as well it wasn't great. Again, it's a cup game, and out we go. Um, is he a little bit hampered by that? Well, possibly, yeah, possibly he is. Uh, he he, it's it probably not easy for any footballer, any sportsman. To um, just to come in once every two or three months and and you know pull off a you know a stunning performance, but nevertheless you've got when it happens so frequently you've got to wonder whether whether it's something you know temperamentally there's something up because um, it, it, it's it's a bit too frequent now to and you know the, the fact is Wenger must now think well he's he's a bit of a liability even though he, w- he wouldn't say it in public and um, and pretty much everyone else does as well but. Uh, I do feel sorry for him. Yeah, it's only the cup games he's come on, but he's got to <laughs> he's got to take his chance when it comes. Hmm. But l- like you say, he's twenty four years of age. He's not necessarily young, um, but he, you know, how is he going to how is he going to get better if he doesn't play on a more regular basis? I mean, it, it's uh, it's difficult to be a number two goalkeeper. You look at somebody like that guy at, at Newcastle uh, who was behind Shea Given, the guy who looks exactly like Shea Given. It's like his clone, basically. I can't remember yeah. his name. Harper. Yeah. Harper, yeah. You know, and, and was a number two goalkeeper his, his entire career. And, and so how does Fabianski get any better? Um, unless he plays more regularly, uh, People talk about uh, Chesney, who's out on loan at Brentford. It's amazing, really, isn't it? Because now Chesney has become our best goalkeeper, uh, <laughs> as far as everybody's concerned. A 19-year-old kid at, at Brentford, and people are saying, bring him back. But surely the answer is not uh, a 19-year-old at Brentford. Uh, the, the overall solution for the, for the manager has to be um, to go out and buy a proper goalkeeper. That is the only solution. Uh, but he can't do it now, can he? He, no. de- he, de- he deemed it not... not um not necessary in January and, uh, you know, for, for whatever reasons, maybe he tried, maybe he couldn't get one. Uh, firstly, I would say Fabianski, I think he is young. I mean, he, he, 24 is not young for an outfield player, but I think it's very young for a keeper. Uh, there aren't many keepers and you'll probably rattle about five names off now and, and put me off out of my stride, but there aren't that many keepers at 24 who are the done deal, who, who are, you know, as good as they'll ever be. Mm. You know, the, only the exceptional ones. And um, so I, I think it's difficult for him, but, and when he's not playing much, it's even more difficult because all the pressure's on him to come and do it. But um, like I say, the only way he can do it is to, when he gets his chance, to come in and play an absolute blinder. But he just looks totally rattled every time he comes on. And uh, it's kind of catch-22, isn't it, really? Mm. Because, I mean, there is the question, how long can the manager persist with, with a guy who doesn't just cost you goals, he costs games? Well, that's right. I mean, it, it, had he come on, had he played on, on you know, midweek and played really, really well... Then you you could say well he good chance of of playing against Sunderland on on the weekend, but um, now you've got to say well he's probably he's probably not going to get that chance. So yes, he needs to play more games, but he's he's got to do it himself as well. And uh, I don't know he's, he 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 may be the best thing because I think twenty four he's still young he can still improve. Wenger rates him or says he rates him, and uh, and he's a Polish international. So maybe he needs to go out next season and actually play a whole season somewhere. Maybe that would be the the thing that um, 
sort of brought him onto the next level because he clearly hasn't really moved on since last season. The uh, before we get too uh, bogged down in, in misery, I just you know want to make the point that I, I, I despite the result against Porto, I'm not necessarily convinced that it's all over by any means. I think that you know it's a fairly ordinary Porto side who we made look better than they were. Obviously, we gifted them the two goals. Um, would you be confident that you know on the second leg we can turn this around and, and progress? Definitely, I'm. I'm really not too. Um, I'm not too worried about it. I, I think you're right. I think uh, at times we, we we played really well. Um, you know, we were let down by bad goalkeeping, I, and we're at home. They don't have a great away record from my memory, and I, I really haven't got. Um, you know, I'm pretty confident we can get through, but I, I would be less confident that we'd get past the quarterfinals. You know, unless we tighten up mm. drastically. And I suppose we're looking for players to um, to step it up in terms of their own performances. We've talked about individual errors, but uh, maybe we should expect a little bit more from, from certain players. Uh, I know Arshavin is out, but for me, he's a guy who is capable of producing an awful lot more and a lot better, but hasn't. Um, Diaby has come on a little bit this season, done well. Really only Alex Song, out of all the players uh, in the squad, is one that you can say has taken a step forward this season. Um, and you've got other players who are too often peripheral. I'm thinking, you know, of Arshavin and perhaps Samir Nasri as well, who was a big signing, £13 million. Pounds, uh, and with that sort of a price tag comes uh, a measure of expectation and I suppose a measure of responsibility uh, from the players' uh, point of view. How, how have you rated him uh, this season? Well, not hugely, but... I think as with with Nasri and as with about five or six of our other players, our attacking players, we've had so many injuries this season. And, and, and you know, I think when you're two or three months out, I think it, it really is difficult uh, to come back all guns blazing. Uh, and he had a broken leg at the beginning of the season, so he missed a huge swathe of it. Um, you got the same with Walcott. You know, you've got, you had the same with Rosicki. Uh I think... It's been so stop-start that I think it's almost difficult to judge. With, with, with Nasri, he, he definitely hasn't been quite as explosive as he was at times last season. But who knows how much that injury you know took out of his, you know, slowed his progress completely. I, I still think Nasri is uh, uh, has got the potential to be an excellent player. But I agree, he hasn't really um, set the world alight this season. Uh, injuries then. Mm. Uh, Almuni is back for Saturday against. Um against Sunderland, which is, uh, you know, we're all glad that Almuni is back, which is not somewhere we thought <laughs> oh, we'd be. Help us. <laughs> uh, Alex Song might be back, which is which is good news as well. Uh, but Diaby is out, mm. and Eduardo, there's no sign of him being back after picking up what was, was initially uh, a very small hamstring injury. The smallest, biggest hamstring of all time. Yeah. Um, how long... I mean, I know this is... It's almost a joke, or you know, people make a joke about it. It's another, but it's it's not really funny anymore because um, we are struggling with injury more than any Arsenal team I've I've heard of or or witnessed before. More than any other football team, I think uh, in the league. I don't know any other team that suffers the same amount of injuries that we do. Can it be just bad luck, or is it? Bad luck in a combination of having some really injury-prone players, or is there something in the in the setup, in the training, or the diets? Is it the milk that they're drinking? Who knows? What, what, how do we explain it? And more importantly, 
what can we do to 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 solve this problem? Because the, the longer it goes on, the more difficult it becomes for us uh, to do anything positive and, and to win trophies. Yeah, I think the main problem, most of the injuries are down to having blue and white uh, away shirts. I think that's the main, that's the main thing. But I, I, I think it could be so many different factors. I think Wenger alluded earlier in the season that he brings them back too fast because he needs them back and they get more injuries. And, you know, maybe it could be psychological. These players looking, looking at, at um, looking on the, in, in the treatment room and there are loads of their mates in there. And I, I, it, it could be the train. I just don't, who knows? I mean, mm. I, don't suppose, I don't suppose they know, do they? Because it's been unbelievable. It's been actually, if, you know, when, when this season, when, when it comes to the end of the season and we sort of, uh, you know, we think about what went well and what went wrong, it could be the injuries that completely define it. And that's just such a sad thing to say, really, isn't it? It is, but I mean, you know, it's it's how to, to find a solution for it because, you know, you do have players, for example, like uh, Van Persie, who is, I think, unlucky with injuries, but also prone to picking up injuries. I don't think he's completed a full season for us in all the time he's been at the club. He's, he's spent, you know, 40, 50% of every season out injured. Eduardo, is the manager wrong to rely on players like, for example, Diaby, who who has come along and and played very well and improved and and really caught the eye? Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But we know that Diaby is a guy who's going to play five or six games and then miss three or four games and then play three or four games and miss five or six games. Is the manager wrong to um, rely on players uh, with, the, with that kind of injury record? I guess, I guess, um, I guess he's, I guess he's relying on them because they're good players. So Diaby, I think, in a in a middle in in amidst his uh, uh, stop start injuries, he's been actually pretty good this season. He's he's definitely come on in the last few months, and that's what's so frustrating about it. I mean, you want to, why shouldn't he rely on these players? They're paid a lot of money, and uh, they come out of injury, and you think, well, that should be the end of it, and it never is. But well, there you um, go. <laughs> the, tr- the trouble is, I, I guess, is that you know, if Wenger said. At the end of the season, oh, look, uh, I've had enough of DRB every third game being out for three or four weeks and, and flogged him. DRB has the potential to go on and be fantastic for another team. And you'd think, well, that was a bit of a waste. So, and then, 
I don't know. He could he could collect another five midfielders, and they could all get injured. You just don't know. It, I think it's in the close season when they'll have to have a really good look at what the hell, what the hell is going on. Because, like you said, I I cannot remember anything like this. It's been. It, you say it's not funny, but it is almost funny. You know, you just expect it. every press conference. He says someone else is out and has done a medial knee. He's done this. He's done that. It's it's unbelievable. Mm, I, I tell you, one thing I noticed the other day. I was uh, writing the the preview of the Porto game, and I, it occurred to me that I'd stopped writing and have done for some time because I checked back on some of the blogs. I've stopped writing the team news is, and it's it's the injury news, and <laughs> it's absolutely unconscious. I haven't. You know, I wasn't aware that I was doing it, but I mean, maybe that says as much about the situation as as we need to say. Um, Sunderland uh, this weekend, and obviously we we didn't have a good result at the Stadium of Light. That, funnily enough, was Sunderland's last win in the league, and they're going through a very difficult period. And and I, I'm not one to talk about jinxing and coincidences and all that kind of stuff, but I just have a feeling about this this weekend's game that they haven't won since they've beaten us, and you know you can just sense something happening. Nevertheless, it is the the, the first of a number of fixtures that that you know could really. Um, help get the season back on track because you've got Sunderland, Stoke, Burnley, West Ham, Birmingham and Wolves all on paper. Very winnable games before we play our, our I suppose, our most uh, difficult remaining fixture, which is uh, which is the North London Derby. It's important to react, isn't it, to uh, to Wednesday's game? It, it, it really is. I don't think we've got much. I mean, for, for those of us who, who, who still harbour hopes that we can uh, catch the top two, then we, we cannot... We just have got very little room for, for error. And, um, I mean, let's face it, if, if you can't get three points at home against a struggling side um, like Sunderland, then you know, it really is all over, isn't it? I think I'm, I'm normally a massively miserable sod, but I think Saturday, I think we'll be absolutely fine. I think we probably will come unstuck between in one of those games, but I don't think it'll be Saturday. I think, I think um, they'll want to you know, recover after the midweek, and I think we'll have too much. I really do. All right, you're confident enough then. I am, yeah, on for Saturday, not don't <laughs> not in general. No, I mean, <laughs> no let's not be silly. <laughs> you must be kidding. No. Saturday, yeah. All right, cool. Well, listen, we'll, we'll uh, keep our fingers crossed for that then. And uh, man from East Laura, thank you very much. No problem. Cheers. And if you would like to read his blog, if you uh, don't have it in your reader already, it is www.eastlower.co.uk. Or if you would like to follow him on Twitter, where he is a rather engaging sort, it's twitter.com forward slash eastlower. Now, before we move on and look ahead to the Sunderland game, uh, and we've got Sylvester on the way, I should tell you uh, a bit of this. Okay, boys, settle down, settle down. That's it, that's it. Uh, You there at the back, (laughs) you can stop that straight away. There's uh, plenty of time for those sort of hijinks uh, when the lights go out later on. Uh, Right, okay, take your seats if you wouldn't mind. Very good, very good. Thank you, thank you. All right, now, uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Professor Payton, and you're all very welcome to the Arsenal School of Goalkeeping. For the duration of this course... We will teach you how to become a world-class goalkeeper. All the requisite skills are here. Jumping, kicking, throwing, catching, ball-handling skills, how to command your area, how to build a wall when faced with a free kick. All those things and more you will learn under the tutelage of our goalkeeping experts. The very first thing we must do, though, is ensure that your physical appearance befits that of an Arsenal goalkeeper. 
It is an important part of goalkeeping, the physical appearance. We know how a striker looks at the goalkeeper when he's about to take a penalty, and the goalkeeper stands on his line. He makes eye contact with the striker, makes himself big like a pufferfish. The striker, of course, is intimidated by this, so we cannot underestimate the importance of how the goalkeeper looks. From an Arsenal point of view, this is especially important, and we've gone to some lengths to make sure that there's a continuity of appearance uh, with our goalkeepers. Now, on the desk in front of you there, you'll find a package which contains the apparel we would like you to wear. So you can open those up, and we're all going to get dressed into our goalkeeping gear at the moment. The pants, yes, certainly, they look a little roomier than you might like, but you will find that during training, they give you the freedom of movement. That is unparalleled. Very good. So you can all put those pants on. Oh, uh, excellent, excellent. Uh, the shirts, uh, they're, they're a little bit varied, of course. Different colors. Uh, we've got the gray. We've got the yellow. We've got the green. We've got all kinds of shirts there. So you can try those on. You've got luck of the draw, depending on which color you've got there. Excellent, excellent. Now, the boots. Uh, yes, again, these are probably a little bigger than you might have been used to before you arrived here. But take it from me. These are an absolutely vital part of the uniform. Uh, excellent. You're all looking rather splendid, I have to say. And the final touch, of course, uh, to make sure you look like the Arsenal goalkeeper sitting right there on top. Uh, they're all personalized. That's how good we are here at the Arsenal School of Goalkeeping. If you could all pick up your red noses. Very good. Very good. Put the red noses on. Yes. Oh, marvelous. I have to say, you're the best looking class I've seen in quite some time. Now, if you'll all just follow me, hop in the goalkeeping mobile, and we'll get off to the training ground. Seems, um, quite realistic to me. Maybe it's my lack of goalkeeping coaching, but, you know, I know it all rings kind of true. Well, it's funny today. Um, I say today, of course, I mean yesterday when you were listening to this, but, um, yesterday, today... One of them, I was looking at the Arsenal website, as I do, and, you know, we've all got our concerns about the goalkeeping thing, and today, the today, yesterday, the club decided this was a good time to announce that a young man named James Shea, who is obviously a, a young up-and-coming goalkeeper of the club, had signed a new contract with the club. Now, fair play to him. He's obviously done well enough to merit... Uh, a contract, a professional contract at the club, and, and that's brilliant. He's 18 years of age, and this is in no way a criticism of the young man. Just in terms of the timing, though, of the announcement on Arsenal.com, sometimes I wonder, you know, is the guy who puts the articles up there, is he sort of taking the piss a little bit? Because, you know, we'll go for uh, two games without scoring a goal, an Arsene, there'll be a story from Arsene Wenger. Yes, I'm glad I didn't buy a striker in the transfer window. Or a week after, you know, Arsene Wenger says, yes, I'm definitely going to buy some players. We get one of those, well, thingamajig is back from injury. And, you know, <laughs> that's like a new signing. And those stories, I'm not a violent man. I'm very peaceful and easygoing for the most part. I like my stuff, the things that I have... In front of me here, my microphone, my keyboard, the speakers, the mixing desk, the monitor. I like those things because they're, they're quite nice things to have. Important for my work and for my life. And, you know, I spend a lot of time in this office. 
But there are times I see articles on Arsenal.com and I want to just rampage and break things. And the only things I can break are the things that are near me. So I would ask Arsenal.com, if the guy is listening or if anybody knows him, to please consider my stuff. Because at some point, I'm not going to be able to control myself. We'll have played an important game and Almunia will have out-Fabianskied Fabianski by scoring the perfect hat-trick of own goals, left foot, right foot, header. And we'll all be going, oh, Jesus Christ. And the next day, up will pop a thing on Arsenal.com. Exclusive TV online, Almunia. Um, my top three Star Wars characters that I would like to be. And he wouldn't even pick good ones. You know, he'd pick like, well, you know, the third Stormtrooper and, you know, Jar Jar Binks and some other cunt. And, you know, they don't fill us with any great feelings of solace. The feelings are of rage. So I just thought I'd, I'd get that out in the open. So well done to James Shea for getting himself a new contract with, uh, with Arsenal. But the timing of the announcement isn't necessarily what you would call um, good. That's just my opinion, anyway. So there you go. Um, a quick look ahead to the Sunderland game after this. Hello everyone, it's me again, Sylvester. I'm feeling a little bit upset at the moment, I have to say, and not just because we lost in the Champions League this week. No, it's because I don't get as much time on the pitch as I would like. I've told the manager I can't take it anymore, that when it comes to the summer I will not renew my contract and I will leave Arsenal. It will hurt a lot because I love this club, but I was honest with Arsene. I said to him, Arsene, when you get to my age, there's only so much time you can spend playing with yourself. Oh, baby! So, Sunderland at home on Saturday and uh, a chance, a good chance, you would have to say, to bounce back from the disappointment of the midweek result. The boys are going to be up for it. They're going to want to react and and, uh, get things back on track. Uh, Sunderland away was a loss for us at the Stadium of Light 1-0. A very lucky goal when you think about it. It, uh, I think it was a corner, wasn't it? It It came back off someone's shins right into the path of Darren Bent. I think we should have had a penalty it was Carlos Vela who was taken down. And we don't get penalties anymore. Which is uh, a pain in the hoop when you think about it. Because uh, that second Porto goal would never have happened if the ref had given the penalty he should have given uh, for uh, the, the penalty on Rosicki. And I, I, I've lost count a bit now of the number of penalties we should have had. Sesk should have had about five penalties against Bolton in those, uh, in those two games. And we, we haven't got any of them. The last penalty we got was Arshavin against Stoke. I think, I could be wrong, when Arshavin was fouled, and we missed it. So maybe it's no bad thing, but um, it would be good uh, to get penalties again. They can't keep punishing us for uh, Eduardo. It's not fair. Um, so, uh, yeah, Sunderland. What can you do? Diaby's out. Arshavin is out. Uh, Gallas is out, so you would think Saul Campbell is going to continue in the centre of defence alongside Vermaelen. Uh Up front, Walcott maybe in, Bentner. 
You see, it's difficult to look at what we've got up front at the moment and, and you know, think that they're going to score goals because it's hard to see it. Bentner is um, just coming back from injury and, you know, not the most gainly player. Can you say that? If someone's gainly or ungainly, are they, are they you know, was Thierry Henry a very gainly player? I presume you can say it. If you can say ungainly, you must be able to say gainly. So uh, Bentner is not particularly gainly, uh, as it happens. Um, Eduardo's out. Nasri, peripheral as we spoke about. Vela, I don't know. It's hard to know what to make of Carlos Vela, to be honest. Um, so um, goals, maybe they'll come from midfield. Maybe the centre-halves will get a goal again and, and get us through the game. But whatever happens, we've got to win this one. We've got to react to the uh, Porto defeat. And uh, as we spoke about earlier with the man from East Lower, this run of fixtures, Sunderland, Stoke, Burnley, West Ham, Birmingham and Wolves, those are six very winnable games. Um, and if we want to have any chance of winning this title, we've got to win all six of those games. Stoke away may be the trickiest of them all, but um, it would be good to get off to a good start against Sunderland on uh, Saturday. So hopefully uh, the crowd will be there and lift the uh, lift the team. They're probably going to need it, feeling a bit miserable and horrible after the Porto game, but um, hopefully we can get back on track and everyone else back on track and uh, maybe, just maybe, it's probably too much to hope for, but some of the other results will go our way uh, this weekend as well. So um, we'll leave it there because there really isn't a great deal more to talk about. Uh, fingers crossed for the weekend. Uh, talk to you all week and all weekend on the blog and, of course, on next week's Arscast. Until then, take it easy. Bye-bye. Oh, yes, Lucas. Marvellous. Uh, splendid piece. Oh, bravo. Bravo. Oh, oh, what can I say? Of all the boys here at the Arsenal School of Goalkeeping, you, Lucas, you are my favourite. That piece of action there, it was almost theatrical. It puts me in mind of an Italian goalkeeper on the final day of the season, a man who goes home with a pocket full of lira, knowing that his actions have resulted in the relegation of a team which has absolutely nothing to do with him. You have big potential, and that probably is why I feel the way I feel, and I know that the way I feel is so terribly wrong. It goes beyond the realm of professor and student, and were anyone to find out, well, perhaps it would bring an end to this fine college of mine. But I can't help it. I look at you and I feel something stir within. Lucas, you make me feel mighty real.
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.